I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. Here's the Fangirls on Jackalope Radio. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. I'm your host, Jessica Dwyer, and with me tonight, um, not quite so ghostly, is Amanda. Amanda, can you say hi? Will they hear you? Uh, Okay, Amanda's still ghostly, but she is a friendly ghost. She's our little Casper. And also with me tonight is Rachel Moore. Well, hello, Jessica. <laughs> yes, Rachel has uh, has swallowed some acid tonight, so she sounds. <laughs> I sound like Terry Gilpin. <laughs> she sounds like Terry <laughs> Gilpin. And um, also with us already on the line, we have a caller, and that would be Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Hello. Hello, and Ryan's <laughs> excited because uh, tonight we've got a special topic of discussion, and uh, later on you will get to hear our awesome interview with Vincent D'Onofrio, which was a great time and a pleasure to talk to him. And uh, his the reason he is on uh, the show is sort of the, um, the ideal behind this episode tonight, which is horror musicals. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and while that sounds like a, a weird combination, um, once you realize just how many there are and how uh, iconic those are now um and their places in history you'll go wow never realized and and you'll be just as surprised as i am as i went through the list of all of them um but horror and music um have been uh not so strange bedfellows for a while um starting with the silent screen and how the music really um really went along with the mood, setting the mood for those uh, old classic horror films, and especially the silent era ones like Dr. Caligari and um, Nosferatu. So, oh, yes, Nosferatu. Yes, and so from those um, came along uh, probably one of the most iconic, which is The Phantom of the Opera. Um, that is just pretty much basically a horror musical uh, forever, um, and especially with the Broadway rendition and all the other ones that came along after that. But towards the modern era, um, we, we come to one of the biggest cult films of all time, which is, of course, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Of course. And, uh, Don't that be it. Exactly. Yes, baby. And uh, Rocky Horror is, is what was great about that. And, and Ryan and, and Rachel, you can jump in here at any time. Um, but Rocky Horror was such a great film because it, it was an homage to all those old school sci-fi epics. And it just took this crazy turn with them and, and, and made something that spoke to the freak and, and, and the geek and everybody, like any of these outsiders. And the music just was amazing. That it's, movie changed my life. I, I've heard that. I've heard many people say that about it. Um, and, and just the icons of that film are just forever. I mean, like Tim Curry forever is going to be associated with that. There's nothing he can do about it. I love Tim Curry, and you want to know something interesting about the Rocky Horror Picture Show, side note? I incorporate my my Dr. Frankenfurter action figure into my nativity every year. (laughs) That is awesome. (laughs) 
What now is he? My baby the- Jesus lays on a sequin blanket. Aww. Now is he a wise it- man or is he the mother of, of Jesus? How's Actually, I position him just like he is in the portrait at the wedding at the beginning. So he's in the back behind everybody, dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And Harry Potter sits behind uh, the Virgin Mary. <laughs> That's great. I love it. You have to put a p- picture of that up for us to see. Oh, I will. Oh, Everybody I definitely is. will. So what a lot of people don't remember or they they do, some of them might have blocked it from their heads as well, is, is there was a sort of, they didn't really call it a sequel. They called it an equal which was shock treatment. Shock treatment. Yeah. Yes. And what's so cool about shock treatment is it, it sort of knew ahead of time what was going to happen with reality TV. And I found that really funny. You know, um, it's sad as I have heard of the sequel, but I've never been able to see it. I can't find it. It was released on DVD about seven years ago. And now I think it's like one of those hard to find. I actually think I owned it at one time. And, and it, I and it wasn't like a really great DVD either. I think it came in like one of those cardboard cases instead of the plastic, if I remember right. And so it, was, it wasn't an easy find even when it first came out. No, and, and it, it had like a bare, it wasn't quite bare bones. It had like um, some outtakes on it. There was a uh, commentary track and things like that, but yeah. it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't the the best, and I don't know about the picture quality either. I don't think you're going to... What they should do is just do a Blu-ray release of it and really get it nice, because it was an interesting, especially nowadays with how everybody's about the whole reality TV thing, which is what that sequel was about, which was the whole town that Brad and Janet came from, right. um, was being filmed, and it's just, you know, nowadays that's not a far-fetched concept. <laughs> Um, but I really enjoy the fact that the Rocky Horror Picture Show and that movie, maybe, don't they all take place in Denton, Ohio, where I live? Yes. I don't live in Denton, but... <laughs> <laughs> Is there a strange, very thin, bald guy walking around glaring and going, yeah. <laughs> um, yes, but um, he rides a bicycle and has a really long beard, and they call him Jesus John. <laughs> The more you know. <laughs> the more you know. Didn't. <laughs> Welcome to so, um, But one of the things... I really like the returning cast, too. I'm sorry to interrupt you, dear, but oh, no, I like how uh, the cast was... I, don't, I hate to use the term, but I'll use it very loosely. They were recycled cast. I enjoyed seeing what I could of shock treatment and internet videos and things. And just the returning cast members who really remained faithful to the project and were happy to come back. Right, and I th- I can't remember. There was like uh, they wondered why Richard O'Brien did it um, the way he did, and and didn't really bring back the same characters except for Brad and Janet. Um, but uh, it's one of those just oddball, weird pseudo sequels. And they were saying that the 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 actual official sequel has never been filmed, which was I think the Return of the Old Queen or Revenge of the Old Queen or something like that was what it was called for. Rocky Horror itself, but they never did it, which is sad. Speaking of Rocky Horror, what's really sad is what happened to poor Peter Henwood after that movie went down. And he played Rocky, right? Correct. And, you know, he just, he did that role, and then he was rejected by his entire family for doing that, and his life just was never the same, and he became a recluse and a hermit, and from what I heard on the VH1 special, it was just sad. Aww. Yeah, it's really, it was really rough. That's horrible. And he was beautiful. You know, I'm looking at one of these uh, horror musicals we're talking about, and I have to bring it up. Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, yeah? Thank you. Thank you, because that's yes. one I forgot on my list. I knew I would. <laughs> and people forget about the oldest incarnation of that, too. They always think of, you know, the, the 80s. No, Jack, oh, no, Jack Nicholson is the sadistic dentist. Love exactly. It. Thank you. Well, no, yeah, he wasn't the dentist. He was actually <laughs> the patient, and that was the difference. Was he a patient? He, he was a patient, and that he was, was Bill Murray's. Yeah, yeah. And Bill Murray took over that part, and and he kind of looked like him too in that. Yeah, was, <laughs> which was creepy. But yeah, it was. Um, and it was like a one of those poverty row uh, films. And, but that wasn't the musical. The musical came later. And, right. But 
uh, the one thing I had to point out, though, about um, shock treatment was Jessica Harper played Janet um, in that. And then she would go on to also be in Phantom of the Paradise, which is one of those just crazy off-the-wall 70s films. And it's um, Paul Williams stars as basically the devil in it. And Brian De Palma uh, directed it, and it's one of these just crazy, crazy films, and uh, the music is great. Um, have you ever seen that one, Ryan? Brian De Palma, really? Like, Brian De Palma, like, did he direct Carrie, Brian yeah, De Palma? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you never wow. seen it? No. You never? Oh, my gosh. You have to see Phantom of the Paradise. It's... It, if you like Rocky Horror and Shock Treatment, this this one is just off the off the chain crazy and um, just visually really cool looking and the music is amazing and she played in also I believe it was Suspiria um, too uh, but uh, in, the, in these two films she sings and she's got a beautiful voice um, but yes Phantom That's of the awesome. Paradise yeah t- you gotta I'll go put check it on my it list out. of things to see mm-hmm. it's, it's I don't know if how easy it is to find to buy but I know there's clips on YouTube, and um, it's just a really, uh, yeah, I mean, they pull his teeth out. They put in silver ones on. It's just crazy. Good, good, good Ew. film. <laughs> but um, moving on the list, um, Rachel, do you have another one to add? Well, my favorite, which is Repo the Genetic Opera. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was <laughs> just about to bring that up. have to talk about Repo the Genetic Opera just because um, it's such a labor of love, and it got really great reviews when it first came out, and then when they tried to release it further, uh, mainstream critics just panned it. And um, it was because of great... Paris Hilton. And well, and that's sad because she's great in it, and that's from not a Paris Hilton fan. But I'm a I'm and I'm not a horror person, but I love that movie. And Jessica threw me a repo the genetic opera birthday one year, and we had uh, Zydrate shots, and it was awesome. But um, I, I was just watching it on Netflix and uh, realized that that's a movie that really shows what a difference Blu-ray makes. <laughs> and I don't recommend watching it for the first time unless you can watch it in Blu-ray. It's a gorgeous film on Blu-ray. It's and beautiful. And um, they really need to get on the ball and make the prequel <laughs> so we get more Anthony Stewart head singing. Yes, and, please. Um, well, that's honey. Oh, I know, but have you... Okay, did you... This little little circular thing. Have you seen the clip of Tony Head performing as Frankenfurter? Yes, yes. Uh, no, but I'm sure I would love it. No, well, go for it. He he got a number cause... one. He got a number one hit in the UK for his rendition of Sweet Transvestite. I almost like it better awesome. than Tim no that's the thing if, if it wasn't linked if if it wasn't linked to m- my first experience with rocky horror being tim curry it would be a tough call i mean it's an it, amazing he, he's pretty awesome i have to say he's pretty awesome um you know who does uh, a really awesome frankenfurter by the way who um what's his name um <laughs> Eric McCormick. Of course. oh well good god i hope so He's he's they the did man. a Rocky Horror karaoke special and he came out and did Sweet Transvestite and um I about peed myself because <laughs> it was so good. Wait till you see Giles and Fishnets. Actually, he did it. Actually, you know, I think he did Sweet Transvestite for that. You know, I could be mistaken. I believe uh, Eric McCormick came out and sang yes. um Oh, the song that Tim Curry sings before he gets shot. I can't bring it. To the top of my mind, what is the song that Frankenfurter sings? I'm going home. Yeah. Oh, that's it. Oh, that's beautiful. Eric uh, McCormick yeah. tore that up. That would be great. Well, and I, I can't, I can't stress enough. Also, in this is Sweeney Todd. Um, oh, yes. it, and 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 that one, it it's one of those. I I really want to do at some point. I want to do a show all about horror on Broadway, just because there are so many amazing musicals on Broadway and that one definitely is one of the top five of all time of horror musicals I, and I think uh, it's interesting to me how many of these um, the shadow cast community really um, thrives in the horror musical genre well, in yeah. places it doesn't in other musical well, 
Well, Repo just kind of took that and ran with it. And that those are just... the One of the things that stands out to me about Repo was, I don't know if you guys saw the clip, when that, um, for Michael Jackson's, um, to celebrate Michael Jackson after he had passed, they broke into Thriller in the middle of a Repo production. Shadowcats, yeah. Oh, wow. Static, oh, it was It so was great. really cool. <clears throat> it was great. Has anyone ever seen the uh, Evil Dead musical? Yes. I've, I've heard the soundtrack. I haven't seen it. it what's so great it, about it is if you sit in the first three rows, you, you're going to get just covered in red blood. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that is utterly awesome. Oh, my God. It's There's copies. I shouldn't probably say this, but there are copies of it floating around at, at conventions to buy of uh, recorded casting or you know, of, of productions because, um, it is still on tour, I think, but, yeah. uh, you can find copies of it around the, the pseudo black market, if you will, um, to, to, to watch. But I have to bring up one more cause I know we're going to run out of time here and we have to get to our interview, um, and a, a give you a little ba- background on that as well. But I have to bring up the movie suck. <laughs> have you seen have either of you seen the movie suck it's in my queue yeah. right now because he told me to see it <laughs> I, I, I have seen it. it I loved it I thought it was great it I, cracked I, me up it's supposed to <laughs> the fact that Moby of all people shows up as a biker kind of badass and he is, it's just awesome. And it's got so many good people in it, like Alice Cooper, Iggy mm-hmm. Pop, Henry Rollins. I mean, and and then they have that great scene of McDowell placed in um, sort of like he's, he, it, it was actually footage from another movie he'd done, but they have him in the middle of this flashback, young. And mm-hmm. and, and it was seamless. They did a really great job with that. It was. So, so if you have the opportunity, you have to see the film suck. I'm just saying, because it, it's, it's a great vampire flick, and the music is awesome, too. The other thing I Can have I know you said to you were... Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no. I, I was going to bring it off topic and say the other thing that I have in my queue that I've never... I've seen 10 minutes here and 10 minutes there, but I've never sat down and watched the whole thing, is Cannibal the Musical. <laughs> And I keep meaning to watch it, but I, I the parts I've seen I, have been awesome, but I, I don't think we can talk about horror musicals and not mention that. Well, especially since and you mentioned Sweeney Todd, and that is one of my ultimate favorite horror musicals. It is just so dark and macabre, and when I saw the film, do you know who blew me away? With Helena Bonham Carter. And I only say this because usually it makes me mad that she um, still gets jobs in those films because it's, you know, people think it's because she's, you know, with Tim Burton. But I don't know. She just really amazed me. She was the one person I was looking forward to least in seeing that film, and she surprised me. And so I encourage everybody to check out Sweeney Todd. I mean, people are going to see it for Johnny Depp, but really, she is awesome. Well, and Alan Richman... I'm sorry. I was going to say, Alan Rickman, the fact that he did that and he has like a speech oh, yes. impediment and was able to do what he did in that was great to me. I'm sorry. That movie I call Harry Potter the musical just as a joke. <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those things where I love the film, but I have to kind of pretend it has nothing to do with the Broadway musical to enjoy it. Oh, yeah. Because the mm-hmm. original Broadway cast is so epic that if you compare them side by side... The movie sucks, but if you take the movie oh, on yes. its own, it's you know it's a whole different thing, and, and it's a lot of fun. And the Anthony Head was almost in that; he has like a two second cameo because his part got cut. But right. um, mm-hmm. so we're it all comes around to Anthony Head. But um, as all I, things should, <laughs> I think that uh, probably the George Heard Angela Lansbury is my favorite. <laughs> no one can hold a candle to Angela Lansbury forever. <laughs> Yeah, and, yeah, and Helena, think- Helena made it her own, and I respected her for that. I mean, um, but, you know, Angela Lansbury forever. Well, and I think that... Murder, was- she wrote. Yes, murder, <laughs> she 
kidnaps and brings him. No, she she really wanted to live up to that because she wore her hair like her for so many years because she loved that character so much. It was a big deal to her. So to hear her talk about it on like the extras of the DVD, which you can get the DVD, the Blu-ray of that now is like $10 at Walmart. So you have no excuse not to own the Blu-ray of Sweeney Todd, which is a beautiful, beautiful Blu-ray and has a ton of extras on it. So go for it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one of the things that made me happy for her was she really wanted to nail that. And they, and Sondheim was very happy with her. So yay. Go Helena. I always love you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I have to go, I think we're getting ready to run out of time and we have to get to our interview. Um, but I wanted to give some background on why we have Vincent D'Onofrio on a show about horror musicals. And that is because he wrote, directed, and produced one called uh, Don't Go Into the Woods. And it's a slasher flick musical. Huh. And um, it's set, uh, it's about a band uh, that go into the woods where you're not supposed to go. And <laughs> to rec- uh, try and, they want to write some songs to actually um, go and get a record deal. And while they're there, their girlfriends show up unexpectedly. They're not supposed to be there. They're not supposed to have any cell phones or anything to distract them. And what happens is they get trapped in the woods and one by one are getting offed in various and sundry and ugly ways by (laughs) a mysterious killer. And in between all of these horrible, bloody deaths, there's really pretty singing. (laughs) So, um, D'Onofrio... So is it tongue-in-cheek or is it more dark and serious? Well, uh, actually... Actually, um, he he went ahead and and told them to play it straight, and it actually works. They, he he um, got a bunch of unknowns as well as a couple of people that you'll um, recognize that he's worked with, and basically it was a big effort, a family effort, and um, they filmed, I believe, not too far away from where his vacation place is, and um, got a bunch of unknowns who could sing and. Um, this is some of their first acting jobs, a bunch of them. And it's a really interesting take. If you watch the trailer, it gives you a really good um, uh, insight into what the film's like. And it's played straight. Um, they don't really wink or nod. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's called Don't Go Into the Woods. You can actually rent it on Net- or um, you can rent it on iTunes right now. I believe it's on video on demand. They will be doing a, a limited release uh, coming up here, um, I believe, this month, and then it'll be going to DVD. Huh. And uh, Mr. D'Onofrio was kind enough to come on the show and talk to us about it and talk to us about horror movies, of which he is a great fan, and um, <laughs> talk a little bit about Orson Welles, too, because I, I, in my mind, he and Orson Welles are forever linked. It can't be undone. Um, but... It was a great interview. He's a really, really cool guy, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. And before we go, I wanted to um, thank Ryan for coming on again. Thank you yes. for calling, Ryan. I love when you come, Ryan. Yeah, I think we lost Oh, him. my God. I cheek muted you. I am such an <laughs> idiot. <laughs> I'm sitting here, like, trying to ask you a question, and it's, does he talk about Mystic Pizza? He doesn't talk about Mystic Pizza, but it's funny because um, Todd was uh, on the with me for the interview, and um, because he demanded to do so, because uh, Vincent D'Onofrio was his uh, hetero life mate, apparently, and <laughs> and uh, he um, he talked to he asked him had to tell him about um, about uh, Adventures in Babysitting and the fact that he is forever yes. Thor. Was Thor? Oh my gosh, I forgot yes. about that. <laughs> Thor is a homo. Oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what. That's what. <laughs> um, but uh, but uh, it was uh, hilarious. Um, he he had a great time, and I think he really enjoyed talking to us because we we got out of him the fact that he really is a horror movie fan, and um, it's great to hear him describe how the inspiration for the movie came about. Um, where he was just, you know, hanging out with his, his family in, in the woods and decided, hey, slasher killer with music. Bop till you drop. Bop till you drop. 
Personnel, you got it. You got it. You found the most listened to radio station. Jackalope Radio. Hi, Vincent. This is Jessica Dwyer with Fangirl Radio, and um, with me is my producer Todd. Hello. Hi, Todd. Hi, and um, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show tonight. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, let's get started. I know you're super, super busy. So really, I wanted to ask you, first of all, how did the concept of uh, Don't Go Into the Woods come to you? Like, It's such a, a different kind of, of a sort of musical. Yeah, I would say, yeah. I mean, it was just an absurd <laughs> idea that I had, to tell you the truth. <clears throat> My wife and kids and I, we, we have a house in the woods upstate New York, and um, we were driving back to the city, and uh, I was in, in between projects at the time, and I was getting bored, and I, I said, what can I shoot? I want to shoot something. And and we just talked about what I had available to me. I have a really good friend, Sam Bisbee, who's a singer-songwriter, composer, and I have a friend, Joe Vinciguero, who's a writer, and, and, um, and I have all these woods upstate, <clears throat> and I, I'm being honest. Literally, the next thing that came out of my mouth was, why don't I make a slasher musical with non-actors where everybody sings and everybody dies. <laughs> that is awesome. Did you just spoil the entire... That's how I came up with the idea. It's no deeper than that. <laughs> you just spoil the entire film for everybody. That is that great. <laughs> well, I think that people are going to pretty much expect when they see a slasher horror film that everybody's going to die, or a lot of people are anyway. Yeah, true. <laughs> Well, um, and so, so what we did then was is is basically that we set out to write a, a script that was a very B, kind of B horror film structure, and then put all this great pop music over the top of it. And I, I didn't use a casting director. I went out and uh, cast all non actors. All they they needed to be able to sing beautifully and play instruments. And I uh, used a couple of girls that worked in a coffee shop around the corner from my house. So even um, got the art director from that coffee shop. Um, I used a couple of extras on Criminal Intent. My nephew, Hawk, uh, has had a, a friends who had a band called the Dirty Dirty. And I used those three as the band and brought in two other guys, additional guys, to add to that band. And basically the only thing I required was no acting ability. <laughs> wow. So... So that that's awesome. It sounds like it was like a very uh, kind of a family sort of a thing to do. And, and yeah, they're I mean, all we local shot it in, Exactly. We shot it in 12 days for after post. It was about 100 grand all in. And, uh, wow. and you know, I wanted this really kind of flat tone of acting to contrast with this very kind of cool pop music. So 
to give it a weird feeling, a weird tone, the overall film. Have a, I wanted to have this overall strange tone to it. So one of the things I was want to ask you about that was the songwriting and how that came into play and, and what kind of input you had and, and how, how you figured out what kind of music that you wanted in the film. Well, the only, like, real input I had in it was using Sam. I mean, because I like Sam's music. I always have. He's a great songwriter and has written a lot of great stuff. And and um, I knew that he was just going to write some awesome songs. I knew some of his songs already that I wanted to use, stuff that he hadn't put out yet that, that I wanted to use in the in the movie. And then he wrote a bunch of additional songs to go in as well. So um, the process going into it, I know you had the actors actually doing their own thing and that kind of thing. How did how did you get them to mesh together to, um, like, was there rehearsals beforehand or anything like that? No rehearsals. We did a couple of read-throughs, and and I, I talked to them about the what I needed from them, and I and I basically asked them of their for their trust because I had been acting a long time, and I have a pretty a, a decent reputation as an actor, and and that they needed to trust me that I wasn't going to make idiots of them, as long as they understood that the <clears throat> the context of the film was totally absurd, and that and that as long as they committed to it, and never gave a wink to the audience that the film would play correctly as an as this odd slasher musical and that's what I was going for. And so well, we and did a few read throughs and they were I made sure that they were all speaking their own voices and there was no act overacting going on, that it was all that there was no acting in it at all. And um and they did that exactly. And they're very talented kids, these guys and girls, very talented. That's great. So the the concept of horror and musicals isn't isn't new, but you kind of usually there's like a gothic type of vibe to it. What made you go with like the pop tune of the music and the and the folk tunes and with with mixed in with like slasher? Well, ours is yeah. I mean, ours is a, is is of that slasher genre. It's not an opera. It's not this. We're not trying to give any kind of epic message or anything it's just basically pure entertainment and 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 you know if you're a slasher fan then and you know that's what it is it's it's really cool music and that kind of slasher structure which is really fun to watch you know vincent i i've been a this is todd sorry i didn't mean to cut in, but I've been such a huge fan of yours since way back when you played uh, the Thor character in Adventures in Babysitting. I was like, why didn't Vincent play Thor back then? They should have made the Thor movie because you were Thor. You were awesome. <laughs> and uh, and, I, and I've always been a fan, and my girlfriend got me hooked on uh, SVU, uh, Criminal Intent. And, of course, I loved you on that and everything you've done in between. But it, it did my heart so good to read an, an interview in Fangoria that you had done or a little blurb you had done. And to find out you were a big horror movie fan, I was like, that is just the greatest thing ever. I am, yeah. I mean, I think like a lot of people, obviously, I've been watching horror films, the epic ones and the and the smaller slasher kind of films for, you know, my whole life. And, and I find that, you know, a certain, especially the the slasher genre, I think it's, 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 it's real, they're really fun to watch because, they're not judged like other films, like even sci-fi and definitely comedy and drama. Whereas you go into those movies expecting, you know, so, so much and you have so much judgment on them that you're, you're bound to be let down and horror slasher films, they never let you down. You know exactly what you're going to get. And, um, and the only thing that you can hope for is to be thoroughly entertained and surprised by, something new that you haven't seen in one before that, you know. That's true. And what what would be your favorite horror movies of all time? Oh God, I like so many. That's, that's a tough one. <laughs> I mean, there are, there are the big epic ones, like The Shining and stuff like that, which is a different style of horror film. Um, there's a new, there, there was a film that came out, I think, about, Five years ago, four or five years ago, called High Tension, a French horror film, which Great. I really Alexander Aja. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. That was a really good movie. I mean, that that's a perfect example of you know 
taking, you know, going into that a movie like that, you're going to have to take a, a huge leap of faith. I mean, there's such a twist in that movie that it's like, what, you know, and it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. And, and yet you totally buy it and you're totally entertained by it. That's true. One of my favorites, actually. I, lo- I, I grabbed the Blu-ray as soon as it came out. I thought that was such a great movie. Yeah, yeah I did, too. Well, I, did too. <laughs> um, I was going to ask, kind of piggybacking on that, Aja did one of the best remakes I've ever seen, which was The Hills Have Eyes. Um, yeah. And what, if, if you, with, you know, we know you can direct and, and, and you love the genre. If you had a chance to go back and, and do a remake of one of the one of the classics, what one would you pick? Oh God, that's another good question. Jeez, um, <laughs> I think I—I I don't know if you guys remember this one. There was a film called The Other. Yep. Do you remember that movie? I do. About the I two do. boys in the countryside, mm-hmm. and and I think they were in like Denmark or somewhere, right? Like that. Um, I would love to remake that movie. I mean that—that's a—that's a very intense, a very deep kind of cerebral type film. That was very scary to me when I was young. That that film, when I saw that film the other, I saw it in a drive-in, and I was very young, and I didn't see, I wouldn't go see another horror film until I think ten years later. <laughs> wow, that's when awesome. the slasher movies started coming out. That's when I started seeing horror films again. That film, the other, affected me so much. Wow, that's awesome. I I, I don't blame you. That's how I feel about The Exorcist. That that film yeah. kind of messed me up pretty badly. <laughs> um, it's legend now how badly that messed me up. Um, so I was going to say you've got a knack for finding sci-fi and horror films like with you know just you you find them that aren't very conventional and and do so good work in them. How do you feel as a director and an actor as well as a writer because you you kind of like a jack of all trades at this point feel about the state of affairs in the horror genre and how do we keep it fresh? Because you've managed to do that with this film, I think. But what do you well, think? Well, I mean, I don't, mean? I, I don't, I know. I, it, it's, odd. you know, I don't know. I mean, I think I always, when people ask me questions like this, I, I always think of the filmmaker, you know, that there's some kid out there, you know, there's some guy or some girl out there that has an idea that's going to make a horror film that is completely unique and start a whole new trend, you know, and we just haven't seen it yet. And, and it will come, you know, it's, it all comes down to the filmmaker, you know, it just comes down to the filmmaker. I think. That's, That's true. what I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, so uh, on this, on this project as, as a, it was kind of the first time you, I know you've done, um, the short film, Five Minutes, Mr. Wells, which was brilliant. I, I absolutely love that. Um, what, what t- as a first-time feature-length director, did you find challenging with this one, speaking of as a film director? Well, I think that, I mean, we knew the challenges going into this Don't Go in the Woods film because it, it's so absurd. You know, it's the idea of making a slasher musical. I mean, it, take, it requires a huge leap of faith to, 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 to enjoy the movie. And, and that was the challenge. The challenge was not to wink to the audience, not to make it seem a hokey and fully commit, but at the same time, you know, realize that it's completely absurd. And, and, and that, so that was the challenge. The challenge was to keep all the actors on point and for none of them to be hokey or, or too underscored or, or, or too over the top and, and just to keep it at this certain level, this certain tone, it was really important that it, the the uh, that the film, um, even though it's a ludicrous concept, maintained this kind of cerebral feeling to it the whole time. That was the biggest challenge. And then, of course, you know, when you do when you get into a project like this, you have to you, you know going in that time is going to be the issue. So you make sure that what you're shooting on a daily basis is some is is a realistic thing, and that you're really going to get what you need to get, and so that so that that time doesn't become uh, uh, something that's uh, ruined your your ability to make the film the way you want. So, you know, the biggest challenges are the time is always an issue, and 
and getting, you know, the getting that right tone that make sure that everybody's making the same film that, that you want to. So, Vince, oh, go ahead. Um, oh, go for it, Todd. You know, I was going to say, Vincent, I, I just wanted to let you know that honestly, in, in my canon of favorite actors, you're like in the top three actors that I, I've loved for so long. And I was just kind of wondering, you know, as an actor coming into it and and doing a directing job, is this kind of what your appetite? Are you ready to do more? Well, I kind of just think of them as like projects, you know, um, the the truth is, is to be really honest with you guys that I've worked with so many great directors, you know, not just good directors, but like great ones. And, you know, some of the best that America will have put out so far. And, um, it's a re- I'm really tough calling myself a director because of that. Um, so I just kind of try and think of them as projects and, and, you know, like the five minutes, Mr. Wells was an idea that I had, um, when I was having a nap one time and, and got with a friend and got the script done and got it the way I wanted it. And don't go in the woods was just came out of an idea of a discussion I was having with my wife and got the script where I wanted it and, 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 and made it into a movie. And, and when I make these things, I make them in a bubble, you know, the, the scripts are very, uh, uh, I make them, uh, very, um, cost efficient and and everybody involved the camera department the grips the electricians the the catering the the hair and makeup the props the sound department everybody involved are people that I've known for 10 20 years and so we're all there making this movie and so I really make them in a bubble or I have them so far so I I think that I do have this other idea that, and it is in script form, but it's not finished yet. And I won't make that one until the script is the way I want it. And so I, I guess the answer to your question is, yeah, I'm going to make another one, but, um, it's not ready to be made. And, and there is no other, there is nothing out there else for me to make. So it has to just has to be the, the idea has to, to develop all the way through, script has to be finished and then we'll start shooting it. Wow. But, so I guess I will make another film. <laughs> it's just really difficult to talk as a director. I've been an actor for so long. Uh, it, I really consider that my career. And I know so many great directors and have remained friends with some really great ones and uh, who have seen my film and like it and, and want me to keep making movies, and which is really sweet of them. But... Um, it's very difficult to talk to, as my, uh, of my, about myself as a director. Easy for me to talk about myself as an actor, though. <laughs> well, the, my next question would be, what's next for you as an actor, then? I have a couple of films coming out in, that I did over the summer. Um, one of them I'm really excited about is this Jennifer Lynch film that I did. Um, I'm not sure what it's going to be called. I think it may be called The Human Puzzle. It's a, it's a, it's a really, um, you know, it's right up your guy's alley. It's a, it's a horrific um, study of the human psyche and a uh, uh, very difficult movie uh, scene by scene to swallow, but uh, ex- extraordinary all the same. Oh, she's fantastic. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, her dad's yeah. not bad either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, kind of piggybacking on what Todd was saying, um, I, I can't not think of you without thinking of Orson because you've, you've kind of become enmeshed in my brain as, as with this man. And I just wanted to know, um, in, in, you know, not just in how you, you resemble him so greatly, but you, you, you kind of become, you're slowly getting to that point where you're like him and that you've done everything. You're, you're taking on all these different aspects. And I just wanted to know what, how much that, you know, you're kind of that, connection with him has affected your filmmaking and has affected how you look at the work? Well, I think I'm uh, as big a fan as, as any filmmaker of his films. You know, he made so few of them and uh, even the, the worst ones are incredible in a way. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of like, I when I think when I think film, when I think about things in a filmic way, I, I, I think about locked off shots and, and, and slow moving cranes and, and, 
you know, that's, that's that Orson thing. You know, it's, uh, I mean, I do think like that. It's, it's something that's imprinted in my head, you know, but you know, it's uh, Kubrick shot a lot in a lot the same way. And, you know, the, the, the idea that these great directors only move the camera when it was important to the scene, when it actually had to do with some of the storytelling is, uh, is an incredible thing to have experienced with Stanley Kubrick and also by watching um, Orson's films, especially his early films. And, you know, I think, you know, just personally as a kind of, as, as an actor and as somebody who enjoys films, uh, watching films, I, I, I think the camera is moved around way too much when it's not necessary. And so I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, I think every, you know, there's a, there's a couple of really, like, top directors like Martin Scorsese who moves his camera a lot, but he never moves it if it's not helping tell the story. And so people try to emulate Scorsese's camera moves, but in the end, they're just moving the camera for no reason. And, and so that, you know, it's, it's a tricky thing. I mean, the, but the, the Orson influence, I think, it comes from that. I mean, you know, Orson kind of, you know, burned too many bridges. So he's not really someone to emulate as a, as a, a performer because he burned too many bridges in his life. And if, if he hadn't done that, his talent, we'd, we'd, we'd have gotten to see so much more of what he could do. And so you have to, you know, you have to be careful with who you, who you, um, Take off. hold high, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's true. Now, Vincent, uh, I got to tell you that CI, I know you, there for a while you were off the show, and I have to tell you that for me, even though I, I love the show, and, and even though you know they, the replacements were fine, it wasn't you. And without you, it really felt empty to me. And, and I was one of the people that was on that petition. I was going, we want Vincent back. And so I was really glad that you got to come back. How did it feel to come back for that final season? Oh, I loved it. I had... It was just perfect to have all that time off, and and uh, I really wanted the show to work with Jeff, and because I really love Jeff a lot, and I think he's a great actor, and you know, I I I really thought that it was going to work with Jeff. I thought he was just the right type to take my place and and have the you know because he's such a skillful guy, but it didn't work. You know, people got too used to to me playing the parts, and and. You know, because I, I had always, always expected to come back, even though Jeff was still on, I would have come back and done a show here and there, no problem, if, if they could have asked me. But, you know, the idea of being able to take it back and, and end the series is like an amazing thing. You know, it's like, you know, it, it was an amazing thing to do. We had eight episodes that were plotted out. They all were connected by these um, shrink scenes. And... It was so much fun, you know, it was just, you know, Kate was, Irby was awesome as always, and everybody was, the whole crew was in great spirits, and the show just ended exactly the way it should have, you know, where it was just all these people trying to do their best, you know. I agree. Just like, it, just like when we started. Yep, yep. And I tell you what, as a, I'm a big burly guy. Everyone calls me Thor because I have the long hair and everything, but I, I tell you what, I, I had <laughs> nice. tears. I was crying. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, but I was, I was going to ask, as um, you've played Moriarty, and you've played basically Sherlock on, on, on Law & Order, um, he really is, uh, have you seen the new modern telling of, of the Sherlock myth on BBC yet? Uh, no, I haven't. Are they good? They're awesome. There's some of the best stuff out there right now on TV, I think. It's, it's, it's on the BBC channel? Yeah, BBC America is showing it, and also on, um, uh, I think they're showing it on either Mystery or Masterpiece Theater, too. And what are they calling it? It's just called Sherlock. Okay, and i got to watch it. All right. Yeah, it's some good stuff. But um, okay. I th- if you're a mystery guy, it's some good stuff for you. Um, but I think I think we've kept you and uh, at, at the limit that we can keep you. And I just wanted to say, Vincent, thank you so much for coming on. Um, it was an honor to to get to talk to you. And and thank you for making a a really cool horror movie. Okay, you're <laughs> makes, welcome. I'm glad you liked it. It makes us it makes us very happy. And um, once again, like Good. I said, thank you. 
you you brought Orson to life again with that that short, and I I can't tell you how much I really loved it watching that oh, and seeing you. I wanted to, yeah, I, I got to say thank you for making one of my dreams come true, man, for coming on the show here. I mean, it has been an, I've been wanting to talk to you for so long that this is just like an incredible dream come true. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate you both saying that. It's really nice. It's, yeah, we, we really loved your work. And, and, and also, I have to just tell you, the, the cell is one of the most beautifully done horror flicks I've seen in a very long time. And you just yeah, nailed that. That's Tarsem, the director. He's amazing. I agree. Yeah. But so thank you so much right. once again for coming on uh Fangirl Radio. We really appreciate having you on, man. Thank you. All right. Thanks. I hope I talk to you again. Yeah, we do too. Okay. Take okay, care. For sure. Thanks. Bye-bye. Wow. How amazing was that? That was great. That I'm, made made my day. I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to pass out now. <laughs> 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 it's a, it's a great interview, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, and hopefully, he'll be back on at some point. I think he had enough good time that if he has another project, that um, we can get him to to co- maybe come back. So, without further ado, Vincent D'Onofrio, and don't you dare go into the woods. Don't dream it, be it. And thank you for listening. <laughs> 